Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. I visited my friend Chris Marmalejo of the Red Reed last week and had to take the occasion of our being together to record a conversation to share with you. If you haven't met Chris yet, he's been a guest on the podcast several times. You will love him. His enthusiasm is revelatory and contagious. He is a gifted diviner and deep channel. This episode, we talk about the arts and complexities of letting go through the vision of the fixed modality and fixed signs. Same thing, really. Um, The fixed signs are Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. So letting go would be easier if what we were letting go of wasn't systemic or didn't have such deep roots. So when we want to let go or release something deep, how do we do it? This has been on my mind because I'm in this huge ecstatic season in life where I've been letting a lot go, starting with releasing my story to this podcast, Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, instead of holding it inside. And I had a plant medicine experience in July where this profound amount of personal and transpersonal ancestral pain was taken out of my body like a splinter, you know, a big splinter in my heart and recycled back into the earth. It was, you know, let's be real. It was like a religious experience for me. And what I find interesting is that I had to feel the pain on the way out. I was shown the ways that it lived in me. And I had to participate with letting it go. And there was a part of me that was gripping and a deeper intelligence of trust whispering to let it go. And this experience, especially in retrospect, gave me a huge realization and vision into the fixed signs and how letting go isn't that easy or we would do it more often. So if you do have a fixed heavy chart Right. And even if you aren't a very fixed person, per se, these, you know, you could look at it in terms of how you're holding things in your tissues or what you're holding ancestrally. Right. Or the way that trauma works, um, the way that our brain works, in a sense, um, there's mechanisms in our organism to remember what's dangerous or remember what went wrong and to try to make sure it doesn't happen again. Right. So there's a kind of like memory or a holding pattern. And in some ways, this can be adaptive for survival. In some ways, you know, it does fulfill a purpose. And then it can often outlive its purpose and create a way that we're not receptive or we're closed off to life or it's hard to let in the good, etc. And so when we're thinking about the fixed signs, we're really thinking about how to make something last, like how to embed something into reality right? Like how to plant a garden and have it yield fruit year after year after year after year. And we're also looking at how to um, weed that garden and take things out um, that, you know, we no longer want to have inside. 
And so that process, you know, is what we're talking about in this episode. So if you do have a fixed heavy chart, letting go can be particularly hard, right? Or even if you're not a fixed heavy person, letting go of the deepest, you know, stuff that's embedded in in your body or in your personal history, that's obviously challenging. And I find that working with the fixed modality is a combination of both grounded, steady, titrated, gradual effort, like practices and habits and environmental factors. You know, even the study of astrology is like soul level acupuncture day in and day out. And it's like you get these insights and you start to understand your own story and your own patterns. And that's like that's a practice. And then there's these big moments where something pivotal right? Something great and dramatic, an act of catharsis or creativity or pattern interruption happens. So I think the fixed signs can relate to both that kind of like steadiness, like I'm I'm intentionally making my way towards something as well as, you know, these big dramatic acts. Transformation requires a multi-pronged approach. So, for example, if you have an addiction and you're trying to release that, just letting go of the addictive behavior is often confronting with, you know, it's hard. It's like there's a compulsive part of us that's reaching toward the thing. So where does that energy that was being funneled into that addiction go? What environmental factors will support the change? You know, what kinds of support, support systems? What's the higher insight about the addiction that will support transformation? What will we give our vital energy to or how will we learn how to hold energy we haven't been able to hold and normally spill out into said addiction, right? So fixed signs is about that spectrum of holding and letting go because sometimes holding is good and sometimes holding is detrimental. Sometimes letting go is good. Sometimes letting go um, isn't supportive, right? So it's not... um, It is very situational and kind of dependent on multi-factors. And if we have a lot of personality, practical life things, habits, etc. tied up in our most systemic patterns, changing them is necessarily going to be a multi-pronged operation. So we'll get more into it. Something that I've talked about in this podcast, um, I'm sure, you know, over and over again, but I've been thinking more about it lately as like what I did in my early 20s to upgrade my baseline mood, right? Like I was really um, just, you know, wanting to have like a dream life and like live my best life. That's what I wanted. And I recognized that I had a lot of habitual mental loops and patterns toward depression um, chronically. And so I really resourced fantasy and imagination and play to kind of change my brain chemistry day in and day out through noticing when I was starting to grip onto or grab onto a negative trigger and really fixate on it and really stew in it, right? Versus when I would get into these states, like these ecstatic states where I would cultivate happiness in my being for no reason no particular environmental trigger, Um, but I was just training my body and my neural pathways to start to organize that way. And I did that as a disciplined, consistent effort to change my life. And in the way that it was multi-pronged, it's like I also noticed that if I was drinking tea, right, or 
um, eating food that I could really relate to that moment of intake of taste of sense to deepen into pleasure and to create more of those pathways that I could go for a walk and really allow myself to enjoy the scenery. And so I started to find ways to kind of um, really build a lot of patterning around my intentions and around my desires in a multi-pronged way. And of course, you know, continuing to like understand and deepen into the shadow side and like, why am I this way? And to get kind of like analytical and whatnot, but not to simply live in the swamp, but to also reach toward, you know, these higher places of ecstasy and vision and to do all of that at the same time. So in a somewhat related segue, I have another announcement before we begin, or just a announcement, because <laughs> this is the first one. Um, you'll hear the Martian flare in this conversation between an Aries myself and Scorpio, Chris. I do have a Mars offering to support you in this upcoming Mars retrograde. So Mars is currently in Gemini and it's going to station retrograde October 30th. Um, I have a Mars retrograde and Akashic Records workshop event September 9th, 2022 that I'm co-hosting with Akashic Records practitioner trainer Daniela Gill. As I've tuned into Mars and Gemini and the upcoming retrograde in this sign, again, stationing October 30th, so we're, you know, we're getting in in advance, um, we're preparing, the phrase accessing vitalizing perspective came to me, that this seven-month transit will give us many opportunities to adjust the way we think so that our thinking gives us energy, gives us life, gives us the necessary heat to make important shifts right? Or if we're overstimulated with energy about particular ideas, maybe being able to unravel some of that reactivity as well. Mars will also be in conversation with Neptune throughout the retrograde. So I've thought about how our dreams may be more vivid and our spiritual lives more activated and how it's important to have tools around that. The way I'm framing this, I am making it sound exciting and opening which it definitely can be. But over the years, Mars retrograde is a particular transit I've really had to learn how to be in relationship with. I've struggled profoundly, been brought to my knees by it. It's taken me time to refine my relationship with Mars, my relationship with my own willpower and courage and capacity to make self-respecting decisions in moments of distress. You know, and I'm probably not special in this way. I may have a particular focused awareness about Mars retrograde, but Mars is a difficult archetype for humanity. Um, it is an archetype around challenge and around war and around courage. Um, so it's a confronting archetype in of itself. Throughout my day, whenever I'm triggered or moody, I often seek to both understand why and to alchemize it, right? So that I'm not just holding it and perpetuating it. And I've learned a lot of tools for doing so. Whether I pull cards, embody my feelings theatrically, do EFT tapping, or more recently, inquire into the Akashic Records. I've been astounded at what tuning into the Akashic Records via the teachings of my inspiring friend Daniela Gill does. I ask the records for insight about my day, about the higher purpose of my relationships, for clarity about whatever I'm triggered about, 
and I'm given the most loving and truly vitalizing perspective that helps me relate in clearer and more inspired ways to my very life. Over the years, I've worked a lot with the lower realms, the underworld, Pluto, alchemy, the gritty parts of embodiment, really working to fortify my lower chakras, you know, my core relationship with feeling safe in my own being. And it's been important for me to put this in dialogue with the upper realms, psychic insight, downloads, cultivating love and joy, right? Like I'm very open in that upper way. And so I've spent some time um, intentionally the last some years to like really um, ground. And in some sense, Mars Neptune is also about this, you know, how to be a person of spirit while also being a person on the ground. Right. Like how does the way that we're acting really align with our deep inspiration and our calling? And Gemini, where Mars is currently, is also about bridge building and synthesis. I'm amazed at how lately the Akashic records are helping me access perspectives that help me lean in more animatedly to my life. So when I thought about Mars retrograde in Gemini, the reworking of our perspectives and how that can animate us and the Mars conversation with Neptune approaching, I really wanted you to experience what I've gotten to learn from Daniela and the practice that I've gained from the Akashic Records. It feels important, magical, and life-changing. You're invited to join us for a two-hour event, September 9th, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific, Mars Retrograde and the Akashic Records. I'll deepen into transmission about the astrology, um, more than I've already shared with you here. And Daniela will teach us about the records, the Akashic records, and invite us to open the records ourselves. The recording will be available for attendees who cannot make it live, and you can sign up via the link in the notes. While I was at Chris's the night before we recorded this episode, I asked the Akashic records for perspective on our time together, and I was shown an image of us in his living room, sitting before a cauldron and all of these stars coming out of the cauldron we were brewing together and the stars dissolving and joining into the ether. I've been asking the Akashic Records for perspective about my day, my relations, and keep getting these beautiful images that deepen my love of life. When Chris and I recorded together, I felt the cauldron image come true. The very topic we are exploring, letting go, is an invitation for change, for release, and for greater connection to ourselves in life and cosmos by learning how to let go and make space. I also can't wait to delineate transits again. You know, I, if you heard or read, I'm not doing the weekly forecast anymore, but I do plan on stepping back into more transit delineation. And that I think will open up when I settle into having some more space. But for now, I've been on the road for a long time and coming home soon. I love you all and I will leave you to our conversation now. I'm here with Christopher Marmalejo of The Red Read and this time we're recording in person which is really exciting. We're at Chris's lovely new abode, which has really have been a transmission into how Venusian you are. Taurus rising, Libra moon, and it's like we've got the 
all of the senses covered and especially too like even it's like there's this earth side of venus here and then there's the air side of venus and the smoke and the music <laughs> um yeah so welcome <laughs> welcome home um we wanted to do a transmission so this podcast a while back i was doing fixed sign transmissions to um kind of get started for meteorite which is a program that chris is in and um then the fixed sign transmissions have become you know part of meteorite and i've been talking about them less out here on the podcast um but they're very active in the current astrology we have the lunar nodes you know north node and taurus uranus on the north node and south node and scorpio and then whenever we have the inner planets moving through the fixed signs so that's taurus leo scorpio and aquarius all of this gets kicked up we have saturn and aquarius we have uranus and taurus and that ongoing square so there's really a lot of fixed energy in our current experience and chris said something the other day while i was here about how systemic the fixed signs are i was like yes i love that word let's let's go in let's do a transmission on this and what it means that the fixed signs are systemic and then how that relates to the capacity to create change or to really let something go when you know it's not just like a simple thing on the surface that we're trying to change it's like literally systemic so how does transformation work at a systemic level yeah i mean so i have a fixed cross so this is my life that i live this <laughs> concern and this awareness of um the way that our body and our being and our movement is impacted systemically like from from institutions that bar you or that contort you or that like force you into a space of being for so long that you just like get cramped and you need to stretch out or you need to cut out and then the deeply like systemic like the deep <laughs> systems of our body um, that keep us functioning over the long haul that maintain a sense of integrity over the long haul and so when there's sort of like a root in the garden, it's like contaminated the whole system. It's and there it's um, hard to one identify or to like tease out, to tangle out from in like once the way that they're all affecting each other and the way that they all contribute to this larger problem, right? So it's like you can't talk about white supremacy without talking about misogyny and homophobia and racism. It's just it's this way that they all connect to each other. And then so the um, solutions and the releasing must be multi-pronged as well but it's like finding their that sort of root issue um, within each of the spheres of life right within like the mind the body the spirit within the classroom the workplace like the the neighborhood within our literal institutions um, and and then the integrity to change and like let towers crumble and total eagle death and surrenders mm. to happen <laughs> <laughs> i love a multi-pronged approach honestly <laughs> like you gotta have the multi-pronged approach if you're serious yeah. um about creating change so mm. i want to kind of open up the fixed signs and you know thinking about them like we think about the fixed signs like they're holding energy they are fixed they're embedded and that's gonna have the shadow side of stagnancy things feeling stuck things being entrenched in a way that is really challenging um 
you know, it's not just like my own psychological pattern. It's like my ancestral line and it's in my DNA kind mm -hmm. of psychological mm -hmm. pattern. Um, but we're also looking at, you know, the capacity to hold on to things, the capacity to make something last. And so if you're thinking about, you know, building something that you want to last a really long time, you probably need the support of the fixed signs. Or if you're wanting to create a habit, right, to change ancient habits that are held in the body and to cultivate new ones, um, that pattern, you know, thinking about holding will have something to do with that. If you want to, um, you know, create change that's a little bit more permanent. So if you've had like a certain relationship with money, for example, mm. throughout your life and you're like, I would like to make a significant amount, like significantly more money. Mm. And I don't want to work harder. Like I don't want to just keep the homeostasis of this, um, you know, working to the ground. I want to actually like have a sustainable work life and make more money. Mm -hmm. Like that's a systemic change that's mm -hmm. being called for. Right. Or like, and I think, well, I think that's, there's a distinction there too. Cause the right livelihood is I think what's indoors. There's a different, like, I think it takes so much effort and like, you have to show up daily to the change. Like it's a pattern, a habit that you fall back into, whether it's self-defeating talk, right. Or despair, or you're in a job where you're literally, it doesn't, it feels out of alignment. It's like, there's no positive, like, the, the, I feel this. I feel this talking about Taurus, right? In this aspect of like Taurian part of system of systemic, and the as you're saying to like create a vision or to create this lifestyle with value, with money, with worth, is to be able to prod. You know, the five, six, and seven of Pentacles are the Taurus cards. Yes, please bring that in. <laughs> <laughs> and the five, you know, comes up a lot. It's been it comes up in the field, and it's it's you know, in the more ancient delineations of that first decade, it's this ability to prod and this determination, like the seasons may change, but I'm still sowing this land. I'm going to continue walk like I am. I have an end goal in sight. Right. And so nothing's going to sway me from that path. And that in, that in, that endures, that's a level of endurance. Right. Um, and so as you're talking, like, I'm definitely thinking about like work and livelihood in the the, the way that the work itself will sustain you, it will fuel you if it is in, within integrity, right? Like, and it may summon a lot of faith and it may challenge like these old societal voices or just like family <laughs> cultural voices um, of how things have to be and how you have to be and how you have to value your time. I, I mean, Saturn, <laughs> Saturn in the seven of pentacles, right? Saturn in Taurus. Um, oh my God, just that's so, that's, Fucking forever that decade i that's my ascendant is in that third decade of taurus and it's like oh so slow right this um this slow to build slow to change like slow to let go kind of thing but nothing mm -hmm. is more valuable to me than my time right now and so like this triple conjunction with like mars north node uranus and taurus i that feel we had august yes first, yeah. i feel um the fruits of walking my own path also are that like no one is telling me what to do I'm in charge of my time and I'm able to spend it use investing in things that I find truly valuable you know mm. and that's not been it's it's I'm still arriving but it has no, been a this, long walk this life here Chris what you're doing is very romantic I think I can already feel it's like an era mm. you know I think like 
decades in the future when you look back on this like this will have like such a special frequency um yeah the beauty of this time period the diligence of your work and how tuned in you are like I really I fucking love Chris's tarot class it is like responsible for my tarot literacy um but Chris really lives the divinatory lifestyle um you do these like daily reads um you get guidance from the cards and like from your like you're spiritually guided and you're bringing that spiritual guidance into how you structure your work life and how you structure your mundane so I really see in you like you haven't sacrificed the the juicy like gem of the you know spiritual light inside of you you haven't been like oh that's for like on the side or that's what I'll do later like you know, it's tough in this world. I'm going to just like compartmentalize that. It's like, no, you like actually build your livelihood and how you relate to life um, on a daily basis from this place, which is so beautiful. Um, so wow. <laughs> there's a few images I want to share about, um, you know, thinking about the fixed signs and transformation and like, how do we create actual change as opposed to just transforming the homeostasis so what i mean by that is that taurus holds a homeostatic energy so we get used to our habits we get used to our self-talk we get used to our intake and input and output like we're habitual creatures in taurus and um when we want to create a change so say like you know someone has a huge um awakening experience and it's like Aquarius, right? It's like outside of the known. That can either destabilize the homeostasis and create a new one, or sometimes people just come right back, you know, to the homeostasis. Mm -hmm. Or there's a way even that um, Scorpio as a sign is going to help us really release, right? And we might, we're aware of our pain with Scorpio. And sometimes instead of releasing our pain, um, releasing pain is really intense to do it's not just like always a magical painless process mm -hmm. sometimes you feel the pain leave on the way out right or it's like um you have some kind of traumatic event in your life and you'd rather compartmentalize it and not think about it and put it somewhere which mm -hmm. might be adaptive for a certain period of time but to actually move it and to let it go, it's going to come back up, right? And it's like, oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to feel those things again. And then we just get used to holding it. Mm. And an experience I had recently that really helped me see this was that I was on a Wachuma hike. I had a really transformative experience. And sometimes, you know, when I'm really like not able to shift something, you know, I don't um, take substances a lot these days. Um, but there can be times where I'm like, you know, I really need to get into a different headspace or I need to like mm -hmm. really shift things. I need to go travel. I need to go have an adventure. I need to do something totally different. Mm -hmm. But here I am on this like Wachuma hike and my backpack, um, you know, I kind of got it. I found out we needed a backpack for the hike and I was already out of the country and I couldn't find you know, a really like hooked up, like <laughs> good backpack. I found this kind of threadbare, you know, backpack. And on one of the hikes, you know, it didn't, you know, I'm stuffing it with all this water <laughs> so that mm. I can drink mm. for the hike because you need it. And it really, you know, just broke the backpack. And so mm. Mm. I was holding the backpack, cradling it in front of me like a little 
baby. (laughs) And I was having all sorts of, you know, I'm in a psychedelic space. I'm having all this shame, like, oh, I'm carrying my broken backpack. It's hard. I like, you know, outsourced. I like gave someone else my water, one of my water bottles so that they could hold it. And I was like, I'm a burden. (laughs) I'm a burden, you know, holding my like backpack. And what I started to notice was that um, as I'm holding this broken backpack with both hands, you know, and like maybe one hand carrying a water bottle that can't fit in the broken backpack, I was balancing really fucking well on all of these like rocks and inclines and, you know, places where you could really use your hands to kind of balance. (laughs) I was fucking fine (laughs) balancing, holding all my baggage. And then it gave me this transmission of, how easy it can become to create a new balance with all this extra baggage that we carry onto, you know, or it's like we received some kind of damage to our self-concept. And instead of letting that go, we hold on to it and we orient from holding on to that wound. We make decisions in balance with that extra thing that we're holding on to. Yeah. 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 So Scorpio. So Scorpio. Like <laughs> and you, I think it's it's been beautiful to see you just let go in multivalent ways. Like, again, she came into a Scorpio home, y'all. So this is, you know, like obsidian center here. And to like to push things out of people or like life will push it out of us at a certain time though to like a rapid may come or you just can't hold it in any longer until your system becomes toxic and starts malfunction or you fall. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I need to pick this up. (laughs) How do I, um, how do I continue on without it? But then when you, it's really like not the, the work is truly letting go. It's getting your system knows what to do. It's this false internalized belief or this trauma that hasn't been digested that like once that's, it's not even like, so as in thinking about this, I'm thinking of like changing the source of nourishment, like the source of what you're feeding on. So the, the homeostasis Taurus, like, okay, we eat a certain thing. We have our routine in a certain day. Like we're used to this is what I take with me. This is, this is what I eat. This is how I feed myself. These are my sources into Scorpio where it's like, how is it coming out? You know, is this something that is a joy to release? Like, does it feel so good to have this release? You're like, that was ecstatic, you know, shitting in the woods freely, like kind of level of, of um, just wild embrace and self-acceptance. Is it like an orgasm? Is it like an exhale? Like these beautiful ways of, of letting go? Or are you constipated? And are you pushing? And are you screaming you know like (laughs) are you crying like um oh yeah you know another kind of image along that vein is like when we're having a really big emotional release Mm -hmm. something that I've noticed in myself and seeing in other people is that sometimes when the emotional release comes and say we've been holding it back for a while like you haven't cried in a couple years kind of deal Mm -hmm. you know maybe here and there Mm -hmm. but you don't really cry you're not a crier And then all of a sudden you're ugly crying, like you're having a real moment. And then you start to contract in shame and you're like, let me just stop crying. This is enough. And then the next day you get sick. Right. It's like that was on its way out. But then we're like, no, you know, and so what is it really? um, I think release, you know, if it becomes a habit, we become more skillful at it. Right. Where it's like, um, I know what it's like when I first started like opening the floodgates of like, okay, I've been holding a lot. Let me start letting it go. Um, It had more of that energy of like emotional release. Now I'm sick. Mm -hmm. Right. As opposed to an ease with letting things go. 
And it's just interesting to see how someone can be in the moment of, you know, I really am thankful for, I have so many Taurus Scorpio <laughs> friends around me, people with nodes in the second and eighth house. Mm. I have friends who, if they see me crying, you know, are like in a kind of state that they're going to be the ones who are like, let it out. Mm. Like they're going to be like supporting that release. Mm. Um, as opposed to having some conditioned response of like, handing a tissue or seeming to get uncomfortable it's like when you're around someone who's just so chill and unaffected and also not getting hooked in and not getting involved but they're just like yeah you're having a moment let it go Mm. um so i've really learned a lot from these kind of scorpionic and shamanic people around me of you know it's it's intense it's gut-wrenching sometimes it feels like you're dying when you're letting Mm -hmm. something go right in the psychedelic space like ego death it does literally feel like if I don't hold on right now, I might like this might be the end of me and something that that rooted. Right. It's like a thorn or a splinter that we're holding on to. And it's like, I don't want to feel that come out. So let me just deal with keeping it in, essentially. Mm. Mm. Wow. So Scorpio, like, I mean, and it's the death card, right? In the five of cups and like in the six and seven of cups and. Oh, this deep water. And I think like not it's there's depend you know, and there's these different angles where it may be harder for you to achieve or affect systemic change. Like to like, okay, I got it down in this route. Like maybe I'm a good crier. <laughs> right. But like I beat myself up with my self-talk, right? Like all the time kind of thing. Or or maybe you think really positive affirmations, but you're just like feel sort of numb or like you're on the verge of crying but can never release kind of thing. Um, and so they really do it has to be multi-level like you have multi-prong. to multi-prong like it has to be all a system like the whole environment has to work together you know you have to know where the garden is and where the compost pile is and you just the the power of aquarius i think which is like this pain of being othered and outside of society and like a genius from the future and misunderstood and on a different wavelength um can be like exile like who what is your name? Like, what is your title? What is, what is your contribution to the community when no one will call you by your name? When no one will recognize you. And so you believe like the misogyny or the homophobia or whatever it is that tells you it's like, oh no, it's you. Like there's something wrong with you and that's why you're being pushed away from the group. And it's like, no, you're <laughs> pushing the group forward and you're like the brave intrepid one who is naming themselves and calling things out for what they are. But that takes like the power of the mind and, um, kind of keeping on the path when your body may be so fluctuating and in response and like just doing its own processing that can confuse your perhaps interpretation of like the progress being made and thinking that progress isn't being made if you're feeling shitty or what, you know, or whatnot. Yeah. Alienation yeah. is so complex, right? Like mm-hmm. there's so much internalization. I think about um, a lot of people come to astrology and divination. I've been thinking about divination and astrology as an activity of exile. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a new idea, so hear Mm -hmm. me out. But I think that sometimes I meet people who really have no interest in astrology or divination, and they seem kind of rooted in in the world, you know? They have their families, they have their kids, they have their jobs, and it's spooky. They don't want to know the future, like have a tarot card reading or look at their birth chart right but then you have people often i've found that people who are interested in astrology it's like 
I think it's quite romantic. Like if we just make it simple, it's noticing a correlation between the cosmos and ourselves, like how beautiful to find belonging in this bigger, expansive context. But what drives someone to even want that kind of restoration or that sense of belonging can often be a sense of not belonging, of feeling weird, of feeling not really accurately reflected. And so we look to the cards or we look to astrology for a reflection. And, you know, there's something like, like a journey that I've had, um, I'm a projector in human design. And one of our, you know, the mythos of that is that we're, you know, very adept with systems and we're here to guide and um, we feel bitter when we're not recognized. Right. And I grew up in a context where I didn't really felt like I belonged and I lived there for 18 years and I didn't really know anything different. I knew that I had, you know, the encouragement from my family and from the community that I was in. It's like it was just um, encouraged that, you know, you go to college, you can leave. And so I couldn't wait to leave. And I got to go out into the world. And the second that I left Southern California, my social life entirely changed. People uh, seemed more interested in me. I felt more celebrated. I felt more seen. And it's like I had 18 years of this intense baggage of like impatience, wanting to be older, wanting mm -hmm. to be free mm -hmm. and feeling not seen, not cherished, you know, by the world, etc. And then to kind of like shed all of that and lean into, OK, what's the real desire mm -hmm. I have is to feel loved and to feel belonging. And there's just different ways of approaching it in terms of, you know, sometimes I think like the receptivity part with Taurus of like, okay, what do I, do I want to get invited to be, you know, a guest somewhere to be, you know, and how to mm -hmm. make myself available for those invitations as opposed to getting on Facebook, getting out my loudspeaker and being like, you mm -hmm. know what, I'm fucking fed up this <laughs> and this, and just kind of like broadcasting my pain in a way that mm -hmm ends up creating even more alienation, right? Maybe a little bit of sympathy, maybe one person or something like that. But there are ways mm. to kind of take our pain and externalize it in a way that only perpetuates systemically. Mm. You know, it's like when we have a psychological pattern and it creates a personality construct that only reinforces the very mm. wound that that pattern is, mm. you know? So there's mm -hmm. some kind of like way that we- You're, we you're making me think of um, the Six of Pentacles in the Taurus decan and like, the read you gave me, especially in the sense of like what you what you're making out of what life gives you or what you're making out of the pain. It's like it can be deeply intense and there can be suffering, but there's like a way to reroute it so that it always leads to something nourishing and not to be like <laughs> Pollyanna or whatever. Like, but no, it's just like this determination that like, well, if this is what I have abundance of heartbreak and depression, well, let me make some badass art or let me like. Right you transmute this and like let it work for me and become something beautiful and like deeply compelling yeah that's a huge part of the fixed sign experience it's like if we have um i love the whale fixed star you told me about mm -hmm. that really mm -hmm. like my car yeah can you just tell <laughs> us about that whale for a moment <laughs> just, i'm like so like oh my gosh i'm so new into my studies with the fixed stars but i, I adore them and even tying into what you were saying earlier with like the cosmic um belonging as a remedy to like social, cultural, familial um, alienation. 
it's and the star is the star card in the tarot corresponds to Aquarius. And I just think you just gave such a beautiful like read of like why that is. It's literally being guided by the stars, being like having kin and relations that are more than family um, or like this family that is more than human. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's planetary. His plan is rivers, waters, fires, air. Um, is the earth of the body. And yeah. And so I think of Aquarius as like this decon, like this conditioner <laughs> for when we get our systems all tangled, you know, there's like the knots that happen. And that's definitely one of like, um, is that the seven of pentacles? I mean, seven of swords, right? Like the knot decan, like the Gordian knot kind of vibe where there's this karma Saturn in a way of relating that always just like, keep making that wrong turn or you know it keeps grabbing you like in that one particular spot and all these time periods and these different relationships but the star is like this beautiful water of of expanding and deepening our capacity to love like we're like oh let me just like pour let me just be an open vessel and like release whatever needs to release through me to and beyond and it becomes less of like um a pull energetically on like just needing to be perfect or just to have every answer figured out for everyone else who's like a wary traveler on their way and instead just like kind of get in the rivers and mm. feel connected to like this cosmic stream of time that's gonna mm. that was before you and will be after you and let it take you on <laughs> this next part of the wait so i'm really like yes. holding on to this but bring us to the whale yes and so <laughs> and so the whale's a little different menkar right i mean just what i, I have menkar and you do as well like it's in our parent list um but just this deep i think of uh, moby dick right like this kind of mythos around fearing this big unconscious collective like alien basically like this deep primordial being that resides at the at the bottom of the ocean you know i think of the moon card and it's like we summit and we can achieve our visions but then to you we don't know the bottom of the ocean we like whales are freaking humongous and big and they've always been this sort of terrifying thing within human psyche to contemplate and so it can feel like a whale swallowing you or coming up from the unconscious and so like the individuals who have menkar have this sort of special duty of not slaying the dragon right but like making like some soup and some like boots and like whatever you can out of like whale blubber that's been beached Wait, <laughs> you know like a dead, you told me a dead something beach, about the beached a beached whale. whale like it can explode and be gaseous and it's just like can be very toxic and so people have to it takes specialists it takes it's very it's reminds me of also the seven of pentacles and the crisis worker right and um the people who, when the tough, when it get the going and stuff, the tough get going, and they're like, okay, send these bitches in because <laughs> they've been trained, like they've been sharpened by life experience to have a capacity, like a deep capacity, the star, to process suffering, to wash it away, to know how to clean. Like it's like, okay, we need to shit, but it's like, but you gotta clean. You know what I mean? Like we gotta keep it clean too. Like you have, you have to have it in balance. It's like we all, we all want. If we're purging, if we're releasing, it's like, please just take, you know, take that yeah. up or don't leave it out because it could spill on someone. It could just mess <laughs> someone else's trip up. And it's like not, it's just this practice of like, this is not about me and knowing that. And there's just a level of like, well, if this is my skill and contribution to the collective at like, not just like at a deep psychic level. And so as you're talking, like I'm talking about there's, I think that we are at this generation or I'm, a, we are of a generation. Yes, that um, is 
are the brave ones who are like breaking. It's yeah, we're cliche. alchemizing a lot. <laughs> yes, we truly are breaking family curses, like putting to bed certain fam- familial cultural storylines and experiences and ways of relating. So I think we've been, we've talked about Leo a little bit in, when we bring up creativity, right? And I think there's something about having vision or having joy and that like the pursuit of a creative life or self-actualization mm-hmm. inevitably confronts us with these, you know, demons or these shadows, um, these unprocessed parts and also can give us the energy, right? Like this happens when people have mm-hmm. kids where they might be so inspired by the love that they have for their child you know, ideally too, right? Mm. That there's like a, okay, I need to like work on some of my patterns so that I don't pass these on. Or it's like, we're doing something we really love or, you know, and it motivates that process of transmutation. But this whale image really, uh, really like affected me. Like I was like, this is intense. Like, hold on, I need a moment. No, we were like, literally, we're like eating vegan Mexican food. And 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 I'm just- sushi, it was vegan Mexican and sushi. I'm like cutting up my enchilada and I hear about this whale and I was like, wait, like- let me take this in. Hold on a <laughs> it's like, yeah, major, like, you know, because I was thinking about my book, um, my audio novella that I'm sharing to the podcast, Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, where I'm making art out of essentially what I feel like is this rotting whale, <laughs> this rotting beached whale that I've been holding on to for years. And I had a lot of shame about like, why I had such a shit show mess of a love life in my early Mm. 20s to the point where it was like existential Shakespearean fuckery. I was like, what is happening? And really internalized it in a lot of ways. And I kind of got to my, you know, I turned 30 and I was like, wow, I'm still not over this. Um, I guess it's time to write a book about it. I didn't want to write a book about it a couple years back. (laughs) I guess I got to write a book about it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't want to write a book about it because I had this, um, this weird idea that really compelled me, which was that, you know, if I keep writing novels after relationships end, I'm basically just a black widow spider just eating the relationship when it's over. And I don't want to spend time doing that. I just want to move on. I want to have fun. I want to have a good ooh, life. Okay. Ooh. And then it's like, that wasn't happening. I mean, mm. my life was moving on professionally. Um, I really focused mm. on my career in my twenties and I just kind of sat when I was, you know, at age 30 of like, I love my friends, I love my career, uh, but it felt, it feels like there's been something missing in my heart space for a long time. Mm. I have some unprocessed stuff here. I guess it's time to really face it. And so I'm writing this book and I'm having this really profound experience with it. It really, it started to move a lot of energy and opened up this really fun summer where I just Mm. literally fell in love again with life not with a person as I had wished and hoped, but like actually um, in a more profound way, found a source of love that's not going to tie into some attachment drama of like, you are the portal to my paradise and I need you and don't leave me and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm really happy that I'm actually writing this book. But, you know, when I feel into it or when I'm having a bad day about the book, which I do, I'm just like, wow, I'm this is kind of intense that this is my story. And there's that shame of like, mm. wow, this is like a whole whale, a whole whale yeah. that I'm dealing with, you know? You're um, making me think like of, <laughs> of my Libra moon and like just the two of swords in the deck and that it's in and like this relation in terms of like, okay, we can, we can focus our attention elsewhere when we don't know what to do with this thing. That's just been 
like things like the ocean, the moon card, right? When people pull the moon card in the tarot, they're like, it's so confusing. It's just this deep connection. It's like something's getting beached. You don't know what the ocean is so fucking magnificent and mysterious. And like I was there the other <laughs> last week and I was like having a grand old time and the like sand was glittering gold. And then like all the seaweed started coming in and like beautiful shells. But then like I saw a Band-Aid, you know, and I just saw like it just kind of was getting a little more gnarly. And like I was the band-aid just, like tipped it over. Yeah, it tipped it tipped it over. I was like, okay, I gotta get out. <laughs> like this is like okay. Uh like the ocean is definitely terrifying. And so when this deep unconscious like fear gets shored up on your end, you know, that you're tied to, and that just sort of like it doesn't go away. You have to look at it. It's like and that's that two of swords. It's like to really look at the source of pain, to see beyond the mask, to like confront yourself is hard, but it's it chops it up bit by bit, day by day. Okay, we're working away at this. There's a little less today, you know, there's a little less that day. Like I'm opening and I feel um, I'm getting good at it. And actually I was have the skills I need to deal with it. And I think that's really compassionate and caring of you to, that you've been doing this work. This yeah. Processing, literally, you know. So this is reminding me of, um, there was a time where I was, I don't know how this reminded me of this. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I was taking a um, training about like, basically I was like fresh out of a very traumatic experience myself. And I just started to work a lot as a way to cope with it. And one of the things I did was take a training about like working with um, like domestic violence survivors. Mm -hmm. um, and something that I learned in the training was that sometimes people that are in an experience of trauma, um, you can't just be like, Hey, maybe you should stop smoking cigarettes mm -hmm. or like, maybe you should cut down your sugar intake mm -hmm. because people, um, will kind of use those things to regulate. Um, and that it might not be the moment to kind of take that out. And so that feels very fixed. You know, when we think about like addiction with Scorpio or like Taurus, like what comforts us, and the way that we can develop habits um, from a place of like, well, this is the best I can do right now to deal with um, excruciating pain mm -hmm. or something that's really out of range mm -hmm. and how we can recognize when we're at a time and place or how we can kind of up level when we have the inner will or even the environmental factors, right? To be like, okay, I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of this addiction. I'm going to let go of this pattern as opposed to holding on to it in those moments where that feels like that's what's getting us through mm -hmm. the day or that's helping us survive. Um, it can be really dramatic and obvious. And I think it can also be really subtle. Um, there's something too about like willpower versus environment, right? Like mm -hmm. if we're in an environment that's making it easy to make certain choices and hard to make other ones mm -hmm. and how much then we have to resource willpower versus when you change your environment or who you're hanging out with and certain decisions become easier. Mm -hmm. Right. And so thinking about like this multi-pronged approach to transformation of like our environment and our willpower. Um, That's the, yeah. That again, that just takes me back to five of pentacles. Like sometimes you're in the, the wintry cold, but you're not, but you're vegan or you were gluten-free or you have like celiac or you're diabetic or like something and you're not going to have what you need on hand at every mile of the journey. So there is like a negotiation 
and a flexibility. It's like how to balance flexibility and firmness. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we want it stiff. We want it firm. We want to be firm on. I know that sounded like some purpose. other things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like flexible enough to navigate the environment that we can't always control, and that's more often than not. We're like so little humans, you know, and have this cumulative effect. But like at large, um, I think like sort of the Martian question is how much we can like how much will how much our will can affect our environment and like to what ways that holding that power responsibly um, like how we do so ethically Mm. leo you know in this rulership like the king the king is a performance the king is a drama the king is mythical like the king is not a person the king is an idea (laughs) the king is something everyone rallies around the king is what brings everyone together from this vision and this inspiration. Like the king is the heart, you know? And so I think like, I mean, I have it in my fourth house, like my IC. And so there's something of it deeply rooted, like just this, I feel like of gold in my, in the pit of me in a sense, you know, in the pit of my stomach, like I can always rely on and like affirm this sense of self-worth. Um, but then, so there's, there's like, that won't ever be lost. But again the, again, the five of pentacles too, and nourishment and malnourishment. And so it's like, if it's like often, like I think there's a replacement, you know, if like a child is teething or something and you don't want them to bite you, it's like, well, give them an ice, safe ice, you know, teething toy to like suck on when they're being like a brat or whatever. It's like, they're going to, they need to let this out, but they also need to consume something that is not damaging. Like they still need nourishment. They still need to be fed mm. and we still need to be fed. So it's like, okay, you know, you don't need to eat this. Sometimes that's, a big thing but often challenges like well then what do I eat or like where do I go to yeah. what do I say you yeah know? wow this okay inner king I love <laughs> this this meditation because I think there's something about the dignity and like internal royalty that may be um an interruption to the system right like sometimes um there's something I meditate on it actually it was kind of like a ripple effect of a interview here where I was interviewing Katie about like creative process and she talked about embodiment showing her how often she was in a freeze response. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I catch myself um, being super deflated and just kind of like lying flat, you know, and it's like, it could be rest, you know, and you do, we need rest um, built into our lives. If we don't have that, there's going to be a crash and burn and whatnot. But being in moments where I'm just like, deflated and defeated and it's gonna just stay that way sometimes unless there's this little like spark in me that rallies and is like well okay what can I do right or like when I'm scared and I have to like rally up courage Mm -hmm. like when you know when the going gets tough and there's that like internal rally Mm -hmm. and I think that that can be coming from a pretty royal place because it's like you know I don't think life is meant to beat us into submission and just take our spirit away. Right. Like we can be facing some really intense stuff. And I don't think we always understand in the moment why we've been dealt a certain set of cards, why certain things are happening. And I think there's a a real pride within Leo and Mm -hmm. in um, David Hawkins, I think if I'm remembering the author correctly, power versus force, he talks about pride as you know, it's not necessarily the most high vibrational emotion. It's not like unconditional love, but pride does get one out of despair. 
pride does motivate us forward in some sense. And so I think there can be a way when it's like we're really in the, the trenches and there's an internal part of us. that's like, you know what? I'm not going down this way. <laughs> right. There's the time where it's like, OK, it's time to have an ego death. It's time to die a little bit. And then there's a time where it's like, I'm not going down this way. Yes. I'm going to find something yeah. inside of me and rally yeah. and advocate for a better life for myself. Mm. That makes me think of Regulus. I mean, I was just doing like the med Regulus meditation sort of right before you came. Um, and so there's this like the spirit or the soul or like this deep, like the, the never loses the battle. Like we may or the war. We may lose little battles and have these ego deaths and things. But but yeah, I think of pride and like with that, like the king, the ruler, like this regal lion head, figurehead, like king of the jungle. Um, gets emaciated when going get alone and i think of like the lion pride is actually a collective like that's mm. so often taken to be a singular um descriptor of like humanity or individual humanity like of or individual humanity but when taken to the animal what we learn from them is that it is a collective signifier and so one's able to be the champion because they are channeling everyone their their communities hopes and dreams and beliefs and investments and well-being and livelihood and there's a sense of i'm not doing this just to be famous regulus <laughs> okay like <laughs> for for its own sake or at least not i you know it's like oh like there's a level of like you shine on behalf of everyone who has suffered before you everyone who has passed away everyone who who is who was stuck <laughs> in suffering and had no way out you know and we have this like opportunity to to thrive as our inheritance. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay, this reminds me of, um, I'm gonna be including this scene in Hungry Ghosts of Paradise, but I've been thinking about the reading that I got from Mark Jones in 2016 when I was just like in such a bad place that I was like, I don't know if my life is ever gonna get better. I just felt like completely defeated and I was really heavy in the hypnotic spell of that. And I'm just like already in tears when the reading begins, but Mark Jones shared with me, um, I don't remember his exact wording, so I can only paraphrase it best, but he was saying that everything that you overcome becomes part of your transference field. And so, you know, he knew that I was like a, a budding astrologer and was essentially saying people aren't just going to come to you because of the you know exact words and knowledge that you disseminate it's like there's a felt sense of um almost like an aura that you feel from someone and similarly like whatever we overcome that becomes inspirational mm. right to others and i think there's a there's a real richness with this within the fixed signs where you can have someone who's very much um, natural in some way and they've kept holding on, you know, to that spark. Um, I had a childhood friend who had um, people would make fun of her laugh and she didn't care. She was laughing all the time. And I think, you know, she didn't <laughs> like internalize that shame mm -hmm. and stop laughing. It's like she's having a great life. Like she's like having a really cool experience because she's has this radiant inner joy and she didn't let anyone take it away from her. Mm. She didn't believe anyone's shaming of it, right? And there are people that grow up in a circumstance where their parents shame their creativity or, you know, they're made fun of. And 
whatever happens, it's like they find this connection to their own creativity or light with, you know, having overcome all of the obstacles or anyone who would seek to diminish that light in them. And the way that they shine literally carries that transmission of like, you can do it too, even though you're up against all of this resistance. And they might not even be directly preaching that. You know, it's just something that you feel, something that's transmitted um, at a more subliminal or kind of unconscious level. But it feels like it's, you know, it's a creativity or a radiance that has a deep root. Yeah, that's just making me think of like people could people could try to throw shade, but it's only going to make me shine brighter. <laughs> like it's just this like once you can process or alchemize, it's that throw all the darkness you want. I'm what is the darkness? Like you know, I'm gonna grow in my light and tenfold and and i and i don't mean that like from this haughty place it's just from really seeing certain souls who have endured so much like so so much and like still have a, a gentleness and a humanity to them it's like oh, it's breathtaking so there's something that i've been it's an open question for me because as i left for this journey this like big life-changing travel and like you know, knew I was going to be doing plant medicine, I started to get this vision of myself of like, I've overcome some intense things. And I'm really proud of what I've overcome. Is there a way that my love of victory <laughs> gives me more challenges? And is there a way that I can just chill, you know, like, I don't, I don't like to call in unnecessary suffering out of any place of addiction. The way, you know, a value set that I have is like, I want to lean into the good in life and have the adaptability or capacity to move through challenges and obstacles, but I don't want to call in challenges and obstacles because of some unconscious addiction <laughs> to victory, you know? And so I've been thinking mm. about that and just like, um, you know, having, mm. you know, being Pluto and Scorpio and I just had to have some compassion for myself of like, okay, I've overcome a lot of things, but I'm, I do have like an alchemical undercurrent to me. Um, so it's an open question mm -hmm. right now for me in terms, you know, I think it's a greater philosophy that I've been considering um, even since I was young of just like, I don't want to glamorize suffering. And yet there is a part of me that like can really have endurance and tenacity to move through difficult things. Um, so I wonder about that sometimes, you know, and why I bring this up too is that sometimes when we want to up level, there is a way that we can let go of historic challenges that we've tended to have, right? And kind of soften them. And then there's the ones that are true and that are like really there. Um, and I think maybe it's just a spiralic path in some sense, because I'm thinking about the receptivity that we have to certain conflicts versus things that don't even bother us because they don't hook into us at all. Mm. Um, and as long as something is hooking into us, it's like, okay, that's where the shadow work is happening. That's where the transformation is. And then once we, you know, release that attachment, then we kind of naturally deflect um, mm. that similar thing. Does that mm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I think like, I think too, like suffering, like, I'm always trying to realize, like, my choice in suffering. So it may be hot or maybe uncomfortable or maybe challenging. But, like, to label, like, to be in the state of suffering is often unconscious. And it's often, like, just seen as, like, the only choice. And then, like, the, the rallying of the spirit to 
to like enter a battle, it's like a sense like, okay, if I'm picking a battle, I'm not necessarily picking to suffer because <laughs> I'm, <a, laughs> I'm assuming I'm going to come out winning, you know? And then <laughs> like, who get in the ring with me? I'm 10 times champ kind of Rocky, Rocky Balboa kind of quality. You know what I mean? Like there's something about suffering that leads to self-discovery of like you, which you, which would never have been discovered elsewhere. But there is knowing like um, when to hang it up in a sense and like transition into being a, a peacetime king you know what I mean like <laughs> and yes like maybe the young energy is gonna get like boisterous or you know restless um and so I think that there is a sense of like there's there's a lot we have to fight for I don't I mean I think I know like individually I'm trying to enter into this spate, state of peace and that's my way of fighting quote-unquote or like I have Antares and I heard Austin Kothic discussing Antares right and being this like anti-Mars, right? Like this rival of Mars. Um, but I was also thinking of like from more Spanish roots, like before, like what's the opposite of war is peace in this sense, right? And I didn't really hear that brought up or like before war, like this other well, post. like Taurus Scorpio <laughs> opposition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and like, the, and I also think of the card you pulled for me the other day, the warrior of light, right? And that was the sun card and that kind of notion of... Um, <laughs> You got to have your sword handy and ready because you just never know what's going to come flying out of like the darkness so, of the cosmos. But wow. I'm seeing now like the king, like literally Leo, right? Mm. Like hinged between, you know, is that the midpoint of Taurus mm. and Scorpio and the sense of like, is the king working toward peace mm. or war and like that pull, mm. right? And that inner royalty within us in a moment where it's like, am I going to fight today? Is this a battle that I'm going to fight or am I going to actively create something beautiful? And that it's, I think we just need, you know, if I'm going to speak like a value here, it's like, I think there's just a need for range. Mm -hmm. um, and I think of it as like a creative choose your mm -hmm. own adventure thing in life, because I have a lot of access personally to, um, just letting things go and like deflecting conflict. And there's a way that um, I have like a genius there in some sense of like how to even erase, you know, like let something just completely dissolve. But when it gets to the point where I'm like not having courage or I'm not um, claiming something or I'm not advocating for something and then it becomes like a fawn or a flea mm -hmm, response, mm -hmm. it's no longer actually really mm -hmm, wise. Mm -hmm. And so I've been thinking about that in terms of like sometimes, you know, when I'm engaging something that's a challenge, it's like, am I going to let this battle go? Because I do pick my battles. I don't fight everything. <laughs> uh, am I going to let this go or am I going to, you know, take a stand? And I think what I love to see, like the ideal, the thing that feels really healing and magical to me is um, when I voice or advocate for myself um, or advocate in a situation and I'm actually received or it creates more intimacy and more connection. Mm -hmm. um, that feels really amazing and really integrated. And it hasn't always been that way. I definitely, um, the way that I would voice upset when I was younger or even the, the type of, you know, the maturity level of the connections I had, it could have been disastrous. I'd voice how I was feeling and I would be like, well, you're wrong or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't, you know, it would create a kind of war mm -hmm. relationally and internally and what it's like to even diffuse the war and peace polarity so much that it's like peace is self-assertion or mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah 
Mm, yeah, that maintains internal peace in the long haul. Like you have to know when to fight to defend your peace. It's <laughs> funnily <laughs> enough, right? Like, but I think what you're talking about is is so the learning in terms of responsiveness. Like we're always we always have like I think there's holding the self to account, like inaccountability to respond. There is avoidance. That's one type of response in a sense. Um, but increasing the range of tools that we have to like, hmm, can I just surrender this? Like, can I let go of this? Can I confront this? Like, how do I confront this? How do I, is this about me? You know, the sense of like uh, adeptitude and, and dexterity we have within the environment and like the relationships we are in. Wholly depends on our own self relationship and how we respond to ourselves, and this is why I love the tarot and divination and astrology because it's just this constant mirror that, like, I've been working the system, like I've been teaching tarot, and it really works. Like, it's really pulled me into integration. Like, my systems are running so much more smoothly than when I did not have tarot in my life. They tell me what's coming up. They prime me. They like, ref- they give me guidance like daily, and I'm just never like. Okay, I'm with y'all. it. You know? <laughs> Chris has an amazing relationship with tarot and also like every class environment that um, whether it's my classes or your classes, everyone's like your spirit and enthusiasm is so infectious. Um, yeah, I like I'm a stan, a hard stan. Can you tell us more about thresholds and the next one? Coming yes, up? yes. Um, thresholds and te- threshold is in session right now. And that's like really my meat and meat and potatoes kind of course at this moment it's it's it will teach you to read you know it will teach you to come to voice and as i was hearing you describe this mediation of leo between or like being the mediator right and i thought of queen of swords because again our royalty is not just like this male image of a king if that's what's been in y'all's mind like the the royal court and i think of like the queen of swords especially and she's she's there with her sword up and that sword is like, don't try me, you know, don't come for me unless I send for you. Like you're going to lose a head. <laughs> but it's not just it's the voice. The sword is the voice. And there's like a ninth, a knighting and a ceremonial role that it can play as well. So it's like maybe this isn't even always used for war necessarily. Um, and so anyhow, sorry, you make me think of my Libra moon and, and the coming to voice. Right. Which is ability to spell cast, to enchant, the ability to manifest the ability to express the way to like release joy through the throat, Taurus, like the way to release pleasure and express pleasure um, is what you will learn in my class. You know, it's a very Socratic sort of learning environment. I give you materials and like the perspective, but there's a fluency level where like the more that you're in, I help my students have attention to the images of the cards and use that to become meta in their own thinking about their cards, what they're reading, what they're delivering, and being able to like let sort of spirit move through their own voice to lend their voice to the channel, if you will, like to the oracle. Um, and we have moments of revelation regularly, but it's for beginners. It's for advanced. Like it'll, it folds in the, the astrology as well, but it's just like a really great comprehensive um, course for people who want to have a real relationship with tarot and not just like memorize meaning, but like really learn to read you know, and write and speak um, divinatorily. And TENS is my latest course, which is open for enrollment right now. And I'm so excited. It's open for fall enrollment. I just finished my first Deccan walk um, around the Zodiac Wheel, sort of piecemealing this course together. And it kind of assembled itself brick by brick. And 
it's really, it's, I'm so, so excited for it. It's just this beautiful, I'm just really so, there's even more to it for me. Um, we go through each month looking at the zodiac season and then the corresponding minor arcana cards that relate to the three decans of, the, of that zodiac sign. And then we also look at the major arcana parents of that particular minor card. So say, for instance, um, Virgo 1 is the Eight of Pentacles, right? We're in Virgo season. Um, that is the sun in Virgo. <laughs> so it's like the sun card plus the hermit card. And we consider how these archetypes like constellate within the chart and we get astrological. We like read ancient texts and I've also coded them with finding like a part of my work so much as I love finding the tarot interpretations and the delineations in queer texts and feminist texts and like all these different poet texts and like finding the texts in the real world. Um, and teaching people how this live, like how this divination tool is meant to like um, become systemic, like to really help you. It's like center spirit in your life and let it, you let your life grow outward from there. Mm. And that takes that constant communication with that pillar of spirit within. So beautiful. <laughs> that last part that you just said too was really inspiring. Like it's really um, finding the integration of like, having this literacy like having a really inspired relationship with divination and creating from that place it's so beautiful and I think that that's really magical because I you know I think that sometimes it happens with astrology and with tarot like an introduction to it is often when we're in crisis or we're looking mm. for you know and then how it becomes such an integrated part of life and part of our conversation with spirit that it really illuminates all these other mm. labyrinths of magic in our life um, of all different kinds of ways that we're relating um, so yeah it's an amazing class um, and like I, <laughs> I just like you're here I just I love it too because I love all my students so much like we're really in it like we're really in, we form deep connections. I've got just the Scorpio class. So it's like, if you're ready to get in the deep end of the pool and not be afraid to learn to swim, join me. And I just, I just am so grateful for like the sustained connections, not only with spirit over time, but with my students. And so you're just doing so well. Hmm. Well, um, this has been so much fun and I'm like about to get on a plane soon. So <laughs> yes. this is just like the best way to kind of like, um seal our last few days together i love you friend. i love you we're hugging you can't see <laughs> <laughs> we're hugging you're hugging you give yourself a hug all right love you all bye